in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Welcome to this freakiest of Fridays Friday, October 14th, 2022 Do you know what's very freaky, Christy? What? In less than two weeks, we will have a show at the Texas Theater in Dallas, Texas, and simultaneously we'll be live around the world to anyone who wants to join October 27th. It's coming up on us. What a time to be alive. That <laughs> Isn't it amazing? People in Australia and Dallas can experience the same thing at the same time, basically. We are united. We are as one. Go to moment.co slash sinisterhood where you get your ticket to the moment and you get a t-shirt. I'm stoked about this shirt. I am going to wear the shirt oh, yeah. of the band I'm in. I love in. it. It's uh, You can add it on. If you've already purchased your tickets through Moment, then you will have the option to purchase a t-shirt during the Moment on October 27th. So don't worry if you already got your tickets. If you haven't, then add it on. And if you are a Patreon, you get a 25% discount on your Moment ticket. So go to patreon.com slash sinisterhood to sign up for that. But also, if you're in Dallas or you're not and you just want to see us in person and everybody else, come on out. We are going to have a blast. It's the night before Heather's birthday. It's the night before the Lizzo concert. It's almost Halloween. I mean, there's so much to be celebrating. I have so much energy for that night right now, and it's mm-hmm. only growing as we get there. And you can get your T-shirt in person if you're in the yes. Dallas show. You don't have to order it and have it shipped. For the first time at a Sinisterhood show, we will have T-shirts available to purchase. We're growing, y'all. We <laughs> We're are. Doing better. We're becoming we are. more legitimate. We're going to be in the iconic Texas theater <gasps> where Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested after mm-hmm. he allegedly assassinated mm-hmm. JFK. So it's a very storied building with a lot of history to it and it's a very cool space very pretty too so much fun we can't wait so yeah sinisterhood.com slash live shows be there live go to the moment.co slash sinisterhood be there virtually and today you have curated a quite a list of freaky tales that run the gamut we have paranormal and then horrors all too real i told you a minute ago that i um, didn't even intend for the theme that kind of arose from this. But before I said, everything look okay? And you go, yeah, men are disgusting. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so without even intentionally doing a theme of just some real fucked up stuff from guys, that yeah. that's just um a thread that unfortunately is nothing new. And it's not something that like... um trickles in it's like we get a ton of submissions that are about the things that are in today's episode especially like this first one which is um i wanted to be sure to include this because i know everyone listening has experienced something like this and i think the more like that we talk about it the more aware of it we are, then hopefully the less it will happen. Or at least we're all more prepared to deal with it. So Agreed. No, definitely. I related to this story and we can oh, talk yes. about it after you share it. But yeah, thank you for curating these, our story sommelier, and we hope you all find them freaky because I sure did. Yes. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. 
This first one is from Megan, and it is called Sinister Dry Humping. Hi, HNC. Big fan. I tell everyone I know to listen and often start with the Sherry Papini series since y'all gave me a name drop. I felt pretty freaking cool. Anyways, here's my personal scariest near miss story. This happened about six years ago, fresh out of college living in Dallas. One night, I was out with friends at a pretty dark and dingy club. We were pretty drunk and dancing like absolute morons. Suddenly, I felt a hand on my hip and someone trying to dance with me. I turned around and saw a relatively good-looking guy, so I went with it. He tells me his name, asks mine, also asks me where I live, which I didn't think was too weird. But when I just said, oh, I'm from here, he pried and pried to get a neighborhood. I eventually just lied and told him I live in the neighborhood the bar was in. In reality, I lived several miles away from there. Then things took a turn. When I say this man started to dry hump me, I don't mean it in a funny way. It was aggressive, unwanted, and frankly, disgusting. I tried laughing it off and tried to turn around to say stop it in a disarming way. I knew I didn't want to make this guy mad. Lucky for me, a random couple in a booth saw me in distress. The woman ran over, gave me a hug, and said, Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Pretend like you know me. She whispered the last part to me when she hugged me. They whisked me away to their table. I'm so thankful to this day for this couple. My friends came and found me with the couple, and I thought I was safe. I thought he had left. I went to the bathroom, and when I came out, there he was. He ambushed me and demanded to put his number in my phone. Again, I didn't want to make this guy angry, and the bathroom was right by the front door. I didn't want him to try and push me out of the club or try to take me somewhere else. You know that feeling of dread when swimming in deep, open water? That's what this guy felt like. He had told me his name at one point before the humping, but when he put his name in my phone, it was missing one letter. He called his phone. Shit. I ran back to safety. He was lurking for a few minutes longer, and it hit me. He was there by himself. He had no friends there. And at this point, my drunk starts to wear off. He was clearly very sober. I got a sick feeling in my stomach. He left alone. The next day, I got a text from him saying, Hi, date night this Tuesday. I blocked him immediately. I'm super creeped out. I start to think more and more about that night and how creepy and forceful he was. Over the next week, he proceeded to find me on all social media. I blocked him on everything he found me on, except he didn't add me on Facebook, which I thought was strange. I started to do some digging on him. Turns out he did have a Facebook page, but it was under his original name and a different last name than he had texted me. It was the same last name I found connected to his phone number when I reverse searched it on True People Search. I didn't know what to think, but I knew it was creepy and unsettling. The only thing I could see on his Facebook without adding him was his bio header and several posts he had made to his local Catholic Brotherhood chapter. Some cryptic as fuck. Some about finding a room to rent since he was new to the area. Again, just creepy. The absolute creepiest thing was his Facebook bio header. It was in Latin, a Bible verse. I believe it was from Revelations, and it was the verse about the woman of the apocalypse. I was so scared at this point, I didn't know what to do. Over the next few weeks, he kept finding me on other platforms I didn't even think about, like LinkedIn and Venmo. 
The last time he tried to contact me was about a year after the initial meeting. He tried to send me a message on WhatsApp. I didn't even open it. Deleted and blocked. I'm still scared I'll run into him one day. I don't know if I'd even recognize him anymore. He has no footprint online anymore. Everything is deleted. Not a trace of him. Sorry for the long email, but I wanted to recount all the details because I forget this happened to me all the time and just how terrifying it was. Oh, Megan, I am so sorry. Yes, Megan, I am so sorry. And I thought the last thing you said was very important that we forget this happens to us and how terrifying it is. And I think we forget because it happens regularly. Yeah. And you, when things happen that often, you start to go, oh, well, that's kind of commonplace. And we, and it becomes like the woman's responsibility to be like, okay, well, I got to make sure that I'm with my friends, that we all see each other, that we go to the bathroom in pairs, that, you know, and then you're like, well, I'm drinking. I want to have a good time. I want to dance on the tables. And you should be able to do that without having to worry about a stranger dry humping you. And uh, attacking her outside the bathroom, Mm -mm. forcing the number in their phone. Under no lens could you look at any of his behavior and say it was appropriate. Maybe the initial dancing and that after that, everything after that is completely wildly inappropriate. A lot of praise to that couple that that woman implemented uh, one of the tactics they taught. It used to be called I Holla Back. Now it's called Right to Be. We talked about in the Kitty Genovese case Mm -hmm. where righttobe.org, they do trainings on, and this is exactly what they tell you to do. You don't go up and push the guy and go, hey, get the fuck away from her. The lady doesn't want to talk. You just kind of distract him and go, oh, my God, girl, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you since college. Sorry. We got to go catch up. Hey, come over here and sit with us. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of make it socially awkward for that. He's not going to follow you over there. And then, if you know, if he does, then you distract him while someone else calls the police they do this training but this is like the easiest number one way if you see a woman in distress or you know a person in distress who's being harassed by someone else just intervening pretending that you know the victim frequently Mm -hmm. someone's like oh i'm being watched and they'll stop him back off this guy was like lurking until he found her and what i really related to was i dated a person who i mentioned an incident yesterday to paris and he was like what and i was like oh yeah i got drugged once and he was like what and then explaining all that and it was a person i was dating and like realizing like oh that was a very abusive relationship and after breaking it off i went through this where no matter what online presence i had this person would finally like Mm. would find me and make really mean comments like i had some blog i had forgotten about that i had written a blog post about going hiking and they commented and said he commented and said oh, it doesn't matter how much you hike, you'll always be a fat bitch loser God or whatever. Damn. And it was like a post from like years before. And I just remember but I But you get that notification and then they're in your head and that's what they want. Yes, and like Facebook messaging me, Facebook messaging my mom, my new boyfriend. my And it wasn't until I had a male family member and I said, you've got to say something to this person because, and that's so sad that we live in yeah. a society where a female's voice going, leave me alone mm-hmm. is not sufficient. Where I think there's a lot of power, it's in what you said earlier, in sharing these stories. And I think when we as a society come together and go, no, 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 ma'am, you did nothing wrong. Your drinking wasn't wrong. How you were dressed wasn't wrong. Being out with your friends, going to a bar, none of this was wrong. That guy's wrong. And we all collectively go, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it less scary when they find you. But if they were to post about you online or, you know, not in this case, but, you know, I always think like revenge porn or photos yeah. or whatever. When we come together and go, we don't accept that and we're actually going to condemn the the guy here, then it, I think it removes some of their power. 
guys like this, I'm just like, what is fucking wrong with you? I had no idea about the woman of the apocalypse. I'm not familiar with that either. Well, according to Wikipedia, she's a figure traditionally believed to be the Virgin Mary described in chapter 12 of the book of Revelations. She gives birth to a male child who is threatened by a dragon identified as Satan who intends to devour the child as soon as he is born. When the child is taken to heaven, the woman flees on eagle's wings into the wilderness. Yada, yada, yada. This leads to the war in heaven. It has to do with a woman being impregnated, the fight between good and evil. And somebody that's like obsessed with that and then like trying to snatch a woman Mm -hmm. in this way, very worrisome. Yeah, that's a lot of red flags, especially when you, if it was, that was the only thing. Like his Facebook bio says something, but when you put all these other pieces together, it gets super creepy. And the fact that after that night, it didn't end. And even like her not replying to his text the next day. And then you're like, he has my number. At least I can block him. But then... Yeah, you don't think to go block somebody on Venmo, but he's that unhinged that he's going to go looking for her on Venmo. Yeah. That's that's very scary. There was a guy my freshman year at Tech. My friends and I were at a frat party. I met this guy. He was one of the frat guys. And we exchanged numbers, I believe, from the next day till... I don't know how long he would call our dorm room every 15 minutes <gasps> and I didn't have any interest in him. I did. I probably gave him my number because like in this situation, you're just like, I just want to get out of here. I don't want to mm-hmm. like, and I get it. Like, you're like, I don't want to make this guy mad because when someone is that assertive, they've mm-hmm. already crossed the like societal boundaries of how we normally interact with people. So if they're willing to be, like, that assertive, then imagine, like, if you piss them off, what could happen. So I totally get, Megan, you not wanting to, like, rock the boat. Especially being next to the door. Right. You know, thinking he's going to just grab you, put his hand over your mouth and drag you out the door. Yeah. And you're at a party, you know, when you're in freshman year, you're just like, yeah, here's my number or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure I did that. And then I he would just leave message after message. But then he would just keep calling and not leave a message. I don't think he realized that we had caller ID and, you know, the little box Mm -hmm. back in the day. That's how you knew who was calling you. It was a little box that was hooked up to your landline and Mm -hmm. it showed you their number. My roommate put a sticky on the caller ID and was like, do not answer if it is this number. Because sometimes other people would be in our room and like answer our phone and stuff. Because he was just like... A fucking creeper, and I wanted nothing to do with him. I think I ran into him at another party, like, months later, and he was, like, cold to me or whatever. But, like, I don't owe you anything. No. And, like, what – if you have nothing better to do than sit around and call someone you just met, like, every 15 minutes, we don't have a reason to go out. No, also, I'm like, go take up a hobby. Learn mm-hmm. how to make birdhouses or learn how to knit. I don't – just do something with your time. Take up jogging. You know, something that's just not harmful because it takes a lot of effort and time to go like, okay, I'm going to search her on Venmo and WhatsApp yeah. and then I'm going to call her every 15 minutes. It's like, what are you fucking doing with your life, man? And then man? you're like, if he's done all that, you know he's stalked my Instagram, my Facebook, oh, any, yeah. search Google, anything he can. Who knows, like, what he knows about you. And then the thing, when you said, why did, I don't know how people like or act like this, I think for some guys it works, so they do it or... It doesn't work, but they 
become so forceful and then take it to the next level. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that Megan, you have remained physically safe emotionally. Uh, it's probably a different story, but a cautionary tale for all of us just to watch out for each other and our friends when we're out at bars and not even our friends, strangers too. Strangers, if yeah. you're looking around a bar or we're anywhere and you're like that person seems like they do not want to be talking to that guy and are looking for a way out. Like, like this girl said, like Megan said, she'll be thankful for that couple for Mm -hmm. the rest of her life. So you never know whose life you could be saving. So don't be afraid to intervene as long as you're doing it in a way that isn't going to escalate the situation. Yeah, I super recommend righttobe.org. And they have like, I think it's like an hour long training and they teach you like the five things you can do to do it. Like exactly what you said, be safe to maybe be able to see the signs of someone else going through that. Because I think you're right. The way we take power back is to watch out for each other, our friends and no man is an Island. So if you have somebody in your life that's fucking around like this, be like, what are you doing? Fucking looking up girls on the internet. Quit mm-hmm. acting like that. Yeah. Go take up, go build birdhouses. We need more birdhouses. I don't know why that's make my crusade uncomfortable. now. Like make them real. Yeah. Like don't make it easy. If, yeah. if like you're like, no, you can't just stand here and talk to my friend. She's coming over here. So like I said, just fi- listening to experts of like, what's a good way to intervene safely? I'm just saying if it's your brother or your cousin oh, yeah. acting to girls like that, jerk a knot in his tail, as my mama would say, and be like, <laughs> listen, man, don't don't treat girls like that. Mm-mm. We all have that responsibility to, you know, be our just be on the lookout for society. Yeah, like, come on. For sure. If you got yeah. one in your family, you gotta do something about it. Because if you if you see that going on and you're like, yeah. Well, I don't know that girl. Okay, but what if he leaves here and goes and uh, runs into your sister or your cousin or a friend of your? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it can happen to anyone. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Megan, for sharing that. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. In line with uh, men continuing to be shitty, this next one is from Mara or Mara, and it is Damn My Thighs. The story from the chef on Freaky Friday, episode 25, reminded me of a story that happened to me. I just spent way too long trying to Google details, but anyway, it happened in 1995. I was working technical support, and the guy that sat next to me most nights was very attractive. I mean, jaw-dropping star in a Hollywood hit, levels of sexy. He would often ask me about my hobbies and interests, and once even told me he'd love to take me out sometime if he were ever single again. Be still my beating heart. I worked graveyards. The office was open 24 hours a day, so the same team wasn't always all there at the same time. When he wasn't there, me and the otherwise all-male team I worked with would talk about his hottitude and joke about spiriting his girlfriend away so we could have him. All sexualities were represented. We were just rambling, just dumb things you talk about at 3 a.m., waiting for the phone to ring with the client who put their computer in the dishwasher on the other line. One day, he didn't come into work. Our supervisor had us sit in a different part of the building. The police came in and were doing all sorts of stuff over in our area. We honestly didn't connect the dots. Hell, some of us, not naming names, were probably worried they were looking for our elitewear that may or may not have been pirated. The next day, though, everyone knew. This man we all fantasized about had murdered his girlfriend in cold blood. The thoughts that go through your head when you think just two nights ago you hugged a man who then went home and killed someone. You had adult thoughts about this man. He offered to take you out to dinner. And of course your thoughts of his girlfriend, who, even by his own account, was lovely in every way. 
The saddest part is, as I searched for murder victims in that area in that year, it's just page after page of women being murdered by their lovers and husbands. I don't mean to make light of such a terrible societal issue. The, oh my God, hot, to he murdered someone is just an example of how you just don't know. We were all in our early 20s, just a bunch of nerds supporting the first generation of desktop computers playing RPGs, making minimum wage. We brainstormed any signs and never came up with a one. The only detail I really remember is that he did it. There was no doubt. I wish I could find more info. I reached out to a few friends that worked with me, still close friends, but no one can remember enough to help our Google search. Oh, well. Like she said, you just don't know who's sitting next to you at work. This is some Anne Rule vibes. Right, yeah. I One of the, and of course, at the time, you don't really probably think much of it, but looking back, a red flag is he's with someone and says, if I were ever single again, read between the lines, when I kill my girlfriend, yeah, maybe we I can go out single. sometime. No. Yeah. No, we're not going out, buddy. No. no. That's but yeah, horrifying. You never, and just like... um a lot of people thought Ted Bundy was hot. I'm not one of those people. Mm-mm. But people say, like, oh, well, because he was so good looking, like, no one ever thought he could do that kind of thing. If this guy's super hot, you know, you're, you're just sitting there talking about whatever. And then you it's just so creepy to think about the double life he's living and what's going on at his house. Mm-hmm. I think it's – to your point, it's important to uh, – untether ourselves from what we think a bad person looks like Mm -hmm. and you know where you go oh well the bad guy's the creepy guy in the corner waiting for me to come out of the bathroom to grab my phone and put his number in it yeah that 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 is true but also very well it could be a charming affable person at work who is very abusive to their partner when they get home and what uh she said about the page after page of women being murdered by their lovers and husbands i mean you worked with dv victims we mm-hmm. went through training at legal aid i frequently would go because i worked on elder abuse i would go to the same trainings as the family law attorneys mm-hmm. who primarily worked in dv cases and the abuse to murder pipeline is the statistics are alarming jaw dropping and i had no idea i had to go through a training about choking because it has long lasting effects and there again there's statistics like one incident of choking it's just statistically like increases exponentially every other incident after that and it does whether intentional or just you they choke their significant other or their victim so many times and one time they go too far but just that shows i think how important it is that we support domestic violence survivors mm-hmm. and making sure that there's a safe place to go and making sure because i can't imagine he went from 0 to 100 nah. and then just happened to murder her that day and like you said going well, if i was ever single again if i ever got rid of her you know you whatever kind of thought that is mm-hmm. i don't imagine tommy or paris you go around going boy if i was when i'm single next no uh, no, I don't think that that happens. Tommy's more worried about his leapwear being figured out, leapwear. which by the way, just so everyone knows in full transparency, I called it I33T and Heather goes, no, no, it's leapwear. It's internet jargon. It's, <laughs> I was like, I did not know this. So, um, thank you, Heather, for telling me. If I'm not mistaken, it means it like elite software, but Today, I got told I was using the wrong type of emojis. I was using old people emojis, so I may be out of the loop. Who knows? What emojis were you using? Well, they said that I read an article in the Daily Mail today that said if you use up a th- if you use a thumbs up emoji with Gen Z that they'll feel attacked. And oh. 
that it is a aggressive move. <laughs> I was like, I like it because it's a good conversation ender. I didn't like, know that. Right. Yeah, we use it. Uh, I use it quite a bit. Or that's yeah. how in our chats, if we're just like, we sign off on something, but we don't need to have a conversation. We just thumbs up whatever it was. Yeah. Well, apparently you've been very aggressive with your thumbs. <laughs> well, we're and not so Gen Z, so I guess that's why we don't take it personally. <laughs> that's the other thing. They're like, well, if you do that, you're an old person. I'm like, I have a fun fact for you. If you look at my birth certificate, I am over 35. Uh, yeah. It just is true. Yeah. I think I'm technically a millennial, but yeah. just a couple more years and I'd be Gen X. So yeah. I'm an older millennial. Listen, regardless of uh, my hair part, how thick my eyebrows are, the type of jeans I wear, the type of shoes I wear, you're always going to know I'm 35, so I'm just not going to fuss with it. Yeah. And so you'll receive my thumbs up, and you can interpret them however you like. That's so interesting. I wonder if it's like, to them, it's our, uh, the equivalent of just somebody replying K. <laughs> That's fine. I'm fine with a K, Oh, I'm too. not fine with a K. You like an okay? It better be an okay. Yeah. If you reply Noted. with just K, to me, that is very aggressive. That's like You're a like, little, like, it's very sassy. Yeah. K. Tommy will reply KK, and that's like his fun way. I, yeah. Like, I know, like, he's like in a jolly mood when he replies like that. But if I get just a single K, we're having some problems. <laughs> we got to have a talk. <laughs> but thumbs up is fine all day long. Well, you can use all the emojis you want with me. I am fine with it. Well, thank you. It's good to know that. And thank you, Mara, for sharing this. And like we said, you know, you're you just don't know the person you're sitting next to. And I think it's important not to just assume because someone is movie star hot that mm-hmm. they're some angel. I mean, not that any of y'all could do anything about it, but it's just kind of lesson learned. Like you just never know what's going on mm-hmm. in somebody behind closed doors, what's going on at their home. And uh Godspeed for working the night shift when people are sticking their uh computers in the dishwasher. Oh, that God. is yeah. <laughs> What a call. Well, this next one's from Rio. It's a little more lighthearted. And this is called UFO at the Farmer's Market. This will be the second time I wrote this as I clumsily hit the X on my tab button. Anyways, love you gals. You've gotten me through many long hours of homework and work as an accountant. I also throw you on my headphones while I'm gardening and dinking around the house. I also had the pleasure of coming to your live show in Tacoma last year. So here it goes. I spent a good part of my 20s living in Central Oregon. This part of the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. It's considered a high desert while also being surrounded by mountains. Central Oregon has hot summers and then feats of snow in the winter. Looking east, it's very flat. And looking west, there's a line of snow-capped mountains. Another fun fact about this area is it is located on the 45th parallel, which some UFO enthusiasts consider a beacon for extraterrestrials based on my quick research and hopes this encounter had been discussed online. I would also like to add that this took place in 2011, so smartphones weren't very common and not much footage was taken, or none at all, that I could gather. Now in the summer, Central Oregon gets very dramatic thunderstorms. Huge, dark clouds fill the sky. Thunder, lightning, hail, downpours, types of storms. Then, just as quickly as the storm appears... It goes away and back to a normal, dry, hot, sunny day. One lovely summer afternoon, I was enjoying a day off from work and just chilling on my apartment porch with a couple of friends. We were planning on going to our local farmer's market down the street, where the coffee shop I worked for at the time had a booth, and we had other friends with booths there as well. As we were about to head out, the wind picked up, the air pressure shifted, the temperature dropped, and the typical thunderheads started to form. 
Above our town were dark purple and gray clouds. Thunder was rumbling, and a few lightning strikes were seen. It started to downpour big, heavy raindrops for a few minutes, and then passed on like nothing happened. The clouds parted and disintegrated, leaving a few of the larger, heavier clouds behind. Other than that, the sky was clear blue. My friends and I were still lingering on the porch after watching our free entertainment, because those types of storms are very fun to watch. When one of my friends goes, Whoa, is that a UFO? We all look up, dumbfounded, frozen. Out of one of these huge thunderheads, an object emerges very slowly, at about cruising altitude for a plane. It was about the shape of a hot air balloon, but much larger and glowing. I can best describe it as a huge-ass rotating light bulb. The creepiest part was, it didn't make a sound at all. It just casually came out of this cloud, down towards the downtown area, and hovered. It stayed there for a while, eerily rotating. Then, it steadily and slowly made a straight line directly north, still hovering and glowing and rotating. It paused for a long time, maybe five minutes. It was creepy as all hell. Then, as if it had had enough, it headed east at a slightly quicker speed. But instead of going in a straight line, this time it went straight up into the sky. And all we could see was, what I can best describe as, a star. It literally left our atmosphere without making a peep. We all looked at each other wide-eyed. Did any of you film that? No. We were all too stunned hypnotized almost. All we could do was say, what the F was that? And try to make sense of it. The next day, this UFO was the talk of the town. As I mentioned previously, I worked at a coffee shop at the time, and I even witnessed customers and coworkers talking all about it. Everyone described it the same way and thought it was so weird how quiet it was and that it, quote, just shot back into space. Many of these people were at the farmer's market too and said, it seemed like it was right above us and everything went still. After that, it wasn't discussed much. We still had our thunderstorms. We still had our farmer's market. And that's my story. It is still burned in my memory and quite honestly feels impossible to describe. Even typing it out gives me that eerie feeling I had that day, watching this thing hovering around town. Y'all saw a UFO? Here's what I want to happen. If you were in the Pacific Northwest area in Central Oregon in 2011 and you remember this happening, email us because Please. Rio, I want to find I want to find you some people that also remember this because it's just like that other town where everyone remembers seeing this UFO and then everyone tries to tell them like, "Oh no, you didn't see anything." If everybody saw something, then you saw something and don't let right? the government tell you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, until they come knocking on your doors and go, you didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And then they have to put their thing in front of your face and make you look at it and erase your memory. Men in black style. Uh, every time. Well, yeah, I agree. I think if you're at the coffee shop and people are like, you see that fucking thing zoom up in the sky? You're like, it wasn't just me. Right. Uh, and it does sound like when we covered the unexplained aerial phenomenon, they talked about how things are kind of tubular shaped, you know, light bulb shaped, tic tac shaped, moving in that direction, especially the hovering and then suddenly zipping up into the atmosphere with no sound. That's definitely sounds like what was off the coast. I think it was off the coast of uh, California. So it wouldn't be too far for that to be going mm-hmm. on. So sounds similar. Call the government. <laughs> We've also talked about how these types of things can happen right 
after big forces of nature. We talked about that in our Missing 411 and another episode, too, where um, people report, like, seeing things like this right before or right after. So that tracks also. Yeah, who knows? The UFO's coming in town and it riles up the clouds somehow. Mm-hmm. Or it sees that the storm's coming. And it's like, oh, it'll be my perfect cover. And then the storm zooms away and they're like, son of a bitch. I could, <laughs> they saw me. It was this close. You got to go cloud. somewhere where the storms last for hours. Why don't y'all come here? Right. Or Seattle. There you go. Go. It supposedly yeah, yeah, rains yeah. all the time there. <laughs> done and done. Maybe that's why they're up in there. Well, this next story is from Aaron. And the subject line is Freaky Friday is infiltrating my life. Hi, ladies. Okay, a few weeks ago, I was listening to the show while packing up my family for a weekend trip. I have five little kids and love listening to podcasts while I get stuff done around the house. On this particular day, I listened to a Freaky Friday and also your live show from New York. One of those stories from Freaky Friday was about back rooms, which I had never heard of in my life. I packed up the car and drove to the town we were spending the weekend in, and we met up with my parents and siblings for dinner. While we were sitting at dinner, my seven-year-old son turned around and looked over the back of the booth we were sitting in and said, I'm going to go explore the back rooms. Also, we were on a patio. There was no back of the restaurant, so it was extra weird he said that. I was like, that's weird, but whatever. Kids say crazy stuff. Then, at that same dinner, my sister told me a crazy story about the night before at the Airbnb, how someone had accidentally come in while they were asleep and had the wrong house and how it was so freaky. And y'all had told a very similar story in your live show from New York about someone getting their Airbnb broken into. So I was like, okay, another tie into sinisterhood. That's weird. Then we went back to the house we were staying at and got the kids all situated in bed. We were sleeping in bunk beds all together in one room. And right as we were falling asleep, my mom said, Mom, can you control your dreams? Guess what Freaky Friday had been about earlier in that day? Yes, also a story about lucid dreaming. What? I decided it wasn't worth writing into you guys, even though it was pretty crazy. Then today happened. This morning, I went up to the canyon with my kids, and during their nap, I've been exercising and listening to Freaky Friday. Someone sent in the story about doing mushrooms and seeing a UFO pop up on Payson Canyon. And guess what canyon I just went to this morning with my kids? So there you have it. Lots of crazy coincidences with my life and the podcast. Not creepy or true crime, but maybe it's paranormal in nature. Who knows? (laughs) I love you ladies so much. The universe is trying to tell you something, Aaron. Aaron. I don't know what. We're connected. But and isn't that interesting though that it's one of those things too, like when people are like, "Oh, I never see yellow cars," and the next day you'll see like ten yellow cars because you're you're more like prone to be listening for it. But it sounds like your kids one are going to be fans of ours one day, and also <laughs> are very cool. Um, yes. I don't know what your kid thinks the back rooms are. I'd be really curious to hear what. If if that's if they were saying that in a, meaning something else, or if they literally were like, you know, because we're all living in a matrix and this is uh, you can just stumble into the back rooms and you can never get out. If you go to Vegas, make sure that you, if <laughs> I want to know, uh, Aaron, what your what your kid thought that was. Uh, if that back room was was just Vegas or if they exist. Yeah, that's a good point. If you go, what do you mean by back rooms? And they're like, you know, a series of rooms that are connected and go on forever. And once you get in, you can't, and you're like, how do you know that? <laughs> oh, 
No. But how do that's, they know that? That's what that's the most interesting part to me is like how do you young kids find out about that? None the internet. For me it was the internet. I was, yeah, I I've I there's a lot of stuff on the internet. I um dread the day that my kids discover it. So I said keep them away from the forever. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. That is wild. I love a series of coincidences like that mm-hmm. because especially, too, I appreciate the uh, nah, yes, nah. And then you're like, all right, mushrooms in Payson Canyon. Come on now. Mm-hmm. I'm in Payson Canyon. But you were uh, doing something uh, decidedly less exciting than mushrooms and UFO <laughs> spotting, although it sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you very much, Aaron. And I hope none of the stuff in today's episode happens to you. Right. This next one is from Bridget. And the subject line is, that one time I got possessed by a demon. Hey there, I'm Bridget, and you can use my name. This is probably the only supernatural thing that has ever happened to me, other than dating a demon, and I was also too young to remember it. However, this was recounted to me multiple times over my 30 years of life by my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mom. My mom's side of the family are all from Guatemala. My mom was born there and quite literally came from the dirt streets of Guatemala City to live the true American dream of putting herself through college and becoming a lawyer. She is now one of the best healthcare compliance consultants in the country and has been featured in some medical magazines. There are rituals practiced in Guatemala that are seen as commonplace. In fact, my great-grandma was afraid of witchcraft in the brujas in her city. This is funny to me because the Brujas were afraid of her, too, since she was such a revered woman for the incredibly tragic and hard life she lived. So, to the story. It was a cool spring morning in Oak Park, Illinois, where my grandma lived. My great-grandma had been living with her in the States at the time. Only a couple years later would she move back to Guatemala City and die there at the age of 102 in 2020. R.I.P. Mama Pancha. Mama Pancha is what we called her. So, she was taking me for a walk in my little stroller. I was being a baby and minding my own damn business when we passed a woman on the sidewalk. Mama Pancha got a real bad vibe from this lady and raced me home. She came in panicked, and my mom, thinking I had gotten hurt, was asking what was wrong. Mal de ojo, mal de ojo, she said. Mal de ojo means evil eye. Some adults are thought to be vessels of negative energy, and one look to a child who is too weak to fend off the energy can cause illness or death. This is a big deal in Guatemala. Mama Pancha went to the fridge, and while my mom held me, they sprinkled holy water over my head. Ask any Latino, and they will have some in their bathroom cabinet somewhere. Mama Pancha rubbed the uncracked raw egg all over my head while humming a Spanish prayer. Mama Pancha grabbed a bowl and cracked the egg into it. She then put the bowl under a bed. I kid you not, and my super logical and intelligent mom even told me that she swears her life that this happened. Mama Pancha checked only 30 minutes later, and the egg was completely cooked, and there was a black liquid residue in the bowl surrounding the egg. No, it was not hot in the house, and no, it wasn't dust. I've asked both of these questions. I guess after that, you just throw it all away. You don't even have to bury it or burn it, which is what I would have done. But that's my story. Honestly, if I was possessed, I wouldn't be surprised. I was a crazy kid. I love y'all's show. Seriously, it's my number one podcast and has helped me through many sleepless nights making random garments or long drives across the country because I like to travel. I have some darker stories about the aforementioned Demon X, but that's more true crime and not fun. But we'll tell y'all at some point. Happy October. Mama Poncha knows what's up. Dude, she did it right. I've had uh, 
extended family members on my brother-in-law's side talk about this procedure, this thing yeah. to go through. So it's, it's I feel a, like we talked about it on another episode, or maybe we watched an episode of Dark Tourist where this happened. Maybe it was in La Llorona. Oh, about maybe it was that. Coranderos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coranderos, yeah, type of, you know, ritual that's specific to the culture and that, you know, you find is if you, you get somebody trying to curse your baby and you know that that's what fixes it, then go home and do it. And I think Bridget was asking the right questions of, was it dust? Was yeah. it like hot? Did you just like leave it in a toaster oven? They're like, nope. It was to under cook the bed. an egg, fully cook an egg, even in a really hot room, it would have to be really, really hot. Yeah. I imagine it's not safe for people to be in it right. if it's that hot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you hear about you can cook an egg on the sidewalk, and mm-hmm. that's when it's like 115 degrees outside, and right. the concrete has absorbed heat. It's not just like you put the bowl, you put the egg in a bowl, and it cooks. So yeah, I think that would be impossible. But that's what they. Th- I've heard this in the Mexican culture again in my extended family with uh, like fevers or different. So there's just different purposes for different things. I don't pretend to practice it. I have mad respect for the people that do mm-hmm. practice it because it takes a lot of knowledge and it's a lot of. Uh, not necessarily written knowledge. You know, it has to be passed, yeah. like you said, from great-grandma to grandma to mom, now to you. So uh, that was a lucky thing that Mama Pancha was with you. And RIP, she ha- sounds like she had a, a long life, 102 years. Yes, that's uh, a long life indeed. Good for Mama Pancha. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. And this last one is from Lori. And the subject line is, My Brush with Murder-Suicide. Hey, y'all. Love the Freaky Friday episodes, and I have a heck of a story to share. This is the story of the time my roommate and possibly me were nearly additional victims in a murder-suicide. In 2009, my roommate of several years, let's call him Tim, was in the process of moving in with his long-term girlfriend. He was spending most of his time there. One night, he texted me and told me that his girlfriend had gone to see her ex after he asked for one last talk. Psh, warning sign. Then, an hour later, she texted Tim to tell him she was getting back together with her ex and that Tim needed to move out. This took him by complete surprise, naturally, but I told him just to come home to my house. He packed up his essentials, like his laptop, and did just that. We talked briefly about it, and then I went to bed. Tim worked nights as a security guard, so he went off to work. Cut to middle of the night when I am woken up after the police burst into my bedroom and shine a flashlight in my face. Zero out of ten, do not recommend. To this day, I don't know how I didn't hear them knocking. My landlord let them in. They were doing a welfare check and were there looking for Tim. I told them he was at work, but that I could reach him by phone. I asked them what was going on, and they told me there had been a murder-suicide. It turns out that Tim's girlfriend had gone to her ex's house, and he had immediately shot her in the back of the head, then set his own house on fire around her. Then he had gone to her house, looking for Tim, presumably to kill him too. When he found nobody there, he torched her house as well. He then drove to a parking lot at a local reservoir, calmly called 911, and told them what he'd done, then shot himself. I called Tim at work and handed the phone off to the police. They went to his workplace to interview him and break the news. I couldn't stop thinking about what could have happened if her ex had known where I lived and had come to my house looking for Tim and found just me there alone instead. That's a thought that keeps you up nights. It was a really horrible tragedy. Tim's girlfriend was a lovely person, and nobody had any idea that her ex was this unhinged. He had had trouble letting go of their relationship, 
but of course, nobody expected he would do this. The creepiest part is that when Tim came home after her breakup text, he asked, what if it's him who sent those texts from her phone? I said that probably wasn't too likely. It turns out that's exactly what had happened. Tim's girlfriend was already dead when he received the breakup text from her. Tim had also offered to go with his girlfriend to the ex's house, but she had refused. If he had gone, would they both be dead? Or would his presence have saved them both? Heartbreaking. And um, Lori included a link to um, an article about the case. And the uh, victim, Krista Winger, everyone that says they knew her, loved her, she was... um, Funny, charming, smart, the people she worked with. She went to Ohio State uh, and then, I believe, continued to work there is what this article looks like. And as far as this article calls the perpetrator her boyfriend, but they were broken up at the time, obviously. Everyone that knew him says he was a super caring person, a passionate advocate for animals, He was a competitive precision shooter and practiced um, often at a shooting range. So it seems like he was comfortable with guns. Um, Mm -hmm. But the co-owner of the shooting range said that he never saw any violent tendencies or, you know, would never think he was capable of something like this. Another um, thing that's very haunting and eerie is, I guess, a woman that works for the Greyhound Adoption of, of Ohio said, quote, Ed is so sensitive, so incredibly sensitive that everything hurt him. Everything that was bad in the world hurt him. He brought back his dogs and was sobbing uncontrollably. It seems very clear that Ed was incredibly disturbed, and I don't know when that started or how long that's been going on, but that's not the Ed we know at all. So he took the dogs back Sunday. Wow. So I imagine he knew what he was planning on doing, like he was not going to be around to take care of them. Yeah, that's very disturbing. To then also then lure her over there and Mm -hmm. say, I just want to have one last talk. And yeah, horrifying. My gut says, even if the boyfriend went with her, that this would have still been the outcome and an additional life would have been lost. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're friend and roommate didn't what a horrible thing to be woken up in the middle of the night about what a horrible thing to get a call at your job like Mm -hmm. no one's ever prepared for these types of things and the calm 911 calls of people admitting their crimes is something that is just chilling to listen to i can't listen to them they're too upsetting for me because the implications, they understand the nature and the consequences of what they did. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And especially when they're like, this is what I did. Um, P.S. I'm about to take my own life, so mm-hmm. here's where I'm located. You know, it's just to hear yeah. those final moments of someone is um, hard for anybody. I'm especially hard for the victim's family, his mm-hmm. family, everyone involved. Because you listen to that kind of stuff and you do think, like, how did none of us see this coming? But yeah. – If he was the type of person that was so raw and sensitive that everything in the world hurt him and then he gets broken up with, that type of person probably internalizes that a lot and becomes, you know, very saddened and depressed by things that someone that wasn't struggling with mental health might just be able to move on from. No, I agree. And I think that's why we talked about in other episodes, I think, you know, your insurance covers a once a year checkup kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like we should all have... 
way, way, way easier access to mental health, which we do not have the amount of coverage that we need and the amount of funding. And I think that is something that, you know, anytime there's a horrible tragedy like this or any of the things we talked about of, you know, what could we do? Because you feel helpless, you know, reading about something like this. And I think, you know, it's not going to go back and fix anything or save any lives that have already been lost. But if you do have a person that was suffering what sounds like silently, making it destigmatized to seek help, making it extremely easy to seek help. Now we have, you know, the single number that you can call, you know, for the suicide hotline and, you know, something where you can on demand quickly get access and not be judged, fired from your job, ostracized by any friends or family or something and go, oh, yeah, like if you broke your foot, you would go to the ER. Mm -hmm. That's like bizarre not to go to the I'll be fine I'll handle my foot on my own it'll it'll fix itself this isn't the 1800s like we have medicine that can fix your foot we also have experts medicine sometimes behavioral therapy things that can also help your brain if you're going through something like this so it does make me I think I always have to I'm a generally optimistic person and I'm always like I can't just have an ending like this where it's like that's just the way the world is and it's terrible and sad and terrible things happen it's like terrible things always will happen but I think we can say you know, maybe if in the future people that are suffering like this could access resources that are just easier and it just isn't stigmatized that maybe that would help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awful. I feel terrible for the victim. She was just going over there to be nice is what it sounds Mm -hmm. like and met a horrible fate. So it's a hate to end it on a, on a sad one like this, but I thought, we would end up talking quite a bit about this one because of the article link and stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, appreciate you sharing that story. And like you said, I don't think you can ask yourself like, Oh, Tim should have gone or what could mm-hmm. he have done or whatever. You know, you can't, that kind of stuff will keep you up as well. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. My therapist um, has said before, like in the stages of grief, when you're going through that, like bargaining, you know, which, oh, if I had gone, maybe this wouldn't have happened. It's okay to stay there for a minute, but you can't live there. You can't linger mm-hmm. there. That's when things become really problematic. So giving yourself grace to grieve and also going to therapy to, you know, something like this. Lori, you uh, you probably, I mean, I think everybody should be in therapy. I, I do think too. it's just something that we should all do oh, yeah. all the time. And um, I was thinking about that driving home yesterday. I just I just started thinking there's no way no one in the world is just right in the brain. Like everything is firing no. at perfect cylinders in their brain. Like I just think biologically that's not going to happen. So like there's there's very gradients of like depression, yeah. anxiety, mental health problems, but we all have something going on up there. I just think about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like physicality where like sometimes you have a mosquito bite and you have to put Benadryl on it and not scratch it. And sometimes you've broken a femur and you have to go through extensive therapy. And there's, it's just different treatment, but it's, they need to be treated. You don't just Mm -hmm. sit there and stew on it. And it's funny because I was, um, I go to therapy, we talk about on the show and I had never gone before I met you and you've been, you were always very open about stuff. And I was like, well, I'm fine. Everything's normal. I'm a normal person. So I don't need therapy. It's like, no, everybody needs therapy and no one is normal. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? And, and so then when once you, said you that, understand that, it's like, you're all like, oh, high five. We're all going to therapy. So then it's not like this weird thing that you have to feel private about or shameful about. It's like, right? I'm proud to say I have a therapist and that I go to therapy. 
Oh, and it, and it makes a total difference in my communication style, my mm-hmm. behavior, my interaction, my relationship with you, my relationship with Paris, my family, whatever. And it was oh, a, just one of those like light bulb moments because I struggle with eating disorders and stuff my whole life and uh, you know, various problems with food. And food's not like alcohol where you just go, well, I just won't have any right. anymore. Like I kind of have to eat to live. And I go, I see a nutritionist and I was talking to her and she's like, well, you're kind of like now in this maintenance phase where we're, and she's like, well, what? You know, aside from meeting with me, I was like, oh, I've been doing therapy. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, definitely. Because mm-hmm. she's just between her giving me like day to day concepts to to do to deal with. And then I've I've now found myself like what normally I would have these like circular thoughts or that it's, oh, I break that. And then mm-hmm. these are the mechanisms. And then the next time I meet with my therapist or my nutritionist, we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And thank God my insurance, you know, covers it and everything. Right. But that's what things like this. I'm like, no, like food is medicine. Mental health is medicine. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to when someone goes, you know, this is a soapbox situation. But, you know, I want everyone to be healthy because oh, I sure. love a society where everyone is not suffering and Wouldn't we're all we happy and productive together. And then maybe stuff, you know, less, ba- fewer bad things happen because we're not needing to do things for you know because we have mental health problems or because you know, whatever so all that to say go to therapy all of us do it you should do it too the cool <laughs> kids are in therapy do it that's true yes absolutely yeah uh mental health is just um health taking yeah. care of your brain so thank you so much uh lori for sending that in thank you to everyone else that submitted your stories as well if you have an odd but true story maybe you've encountered bigfoot you've seen a ufo maybe at a farmer's market, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. Also go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows to get your tickets to our October 27th live show, as well as Moment.co slash Sinisterhood to get your ticket to the moment and your shirt. Hang out with us on October 27th. hanging by a moment. <laughs> Lifehouse told us in the early aughts. Was that the early aughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was in college when that that jam came out. God. Yeah. I had that on a burn CD. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, we'd love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and Patreon-exclusive audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, Unpopular Opinions, and so mm-hmm. much more. Yep, we have a recent unpopular opinions up where we agreed with some stuff and then we vehemently de- disagreed with some stuff. Hard disagree. <laughs> uh, and I just enjoy how much we learned about M&M's and Oreos. Didn't we, though? Yes. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. Heather, when is our live streaming Crowdcast for this month? 
October 19th. It's a Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central. We're doing the live Q&A. You can go ahead and register, submit your questions in advance. And the next day, uh, Thursday, October 20th, we're going to do our live stream for the Getting Into It tier. We will have a vote up for you uh, at the beginning of the week so you can know what kind of spooktacular thing we're going to do. But last time we brought you three all new things, and I think we have three all new things Mm -hmm. for you this time as well. So keep an eye out for that. And costumes. Oh, there's going to be stooms. Stoom <laughs> Central up in here. You're going to stoom and doom on. And I think, don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure we'll have a slightly different setup as far yes. as furniture, lighting, and Perhaps. things. We've um, we've gotten Paris on the ball. He's excited about these lights. He's like, the lights are coming Saturday. I was like, I'm well, excited. you got until Wednesday. If not, it'll just turn the camera so y'all can't see the pile yeah, of boxes of lights. But it, either way, either way, we'll be there and it'll be a good time. Absolutely. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving yourself the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. The way to That's the way to go because you get a free month of membership. Also, mm-hmm. if you have not bought your Moment ticket, go to Patreon and you get a coupon code for 25% off. So get you a deal. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want some cool swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddo, visit Sinisterhood.com. Click on Shop in the top banner. If you are looking for the exclusive t-shirt that's made only for our October 27th show, that is available at moment.co slash Sinisterhood. If you have not bought your moment yet, or if you already got it, just do it during the moment. Or meet me at the theater on the 27th. They don't let me run the machine, but a very nice person will sell you a shirt. <laughs> and then we can be shirt twins. Oh, yeah. It's uh, posted on our Instagram and all across socials, too. If you're like, what is this exclusive T-shirt look, look like? It's super rad. Mm-hmm. So you can go check out our socials for all of that. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can follow us on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? All my elite wares are on <laughs> Twitter at MCK versus the world. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin